0: Hey guys, Zach here. I want to invite you to join me at Element 451's Engage Summit on June 27th and 28th in Raleigh, North Carolina. When it comes to the student experience, we know that you want to be a trusted guide from recruiting all the way to graduation. Well, the Engage Summit brings the best minds in higher ed together to give you the strategy and tools that you need to create a cohesive student experience from start to finish. Explore the latest technologies, increase your skill set, and gain insight into today's students to deliver the most powerful and personalized digital engagement experience every step of the way. This is not your standard ed tech user conference. This is a dynamic, inspirational, an empowering event for all higher ed marketers and admissions professionals. I'll be presenting at this year's event along with some of your favorite higher ed LinkedIn and Twitter follows. You can learn more about this event and register for it at engage.element451.com. Oh, and you can get $50 off your registration when you use the discount code Enrollify50. That's Enrollify50 at checkout. So go ahead, check it out, RSVP at engage.element451.com. Looking forward to seeing you all there. Right day we are we are live. How are you doing? This fine Thursday morning.
1: I'm doing fantastic. I think the sun is out, oh, so
0: that's exciting. That makes me happy. Yeah, that's not always uh, the the case in London, is it?
1: It's not. It's not. We've had a terrible two weeks of rain and dreariness, and I think it's finally over. We're in <laughs> spring now.
0: Uh, well, that is exciting. That is exciting. It's been like really cold and dreary here in DC as well. And it's like, it's like May 4th. Usually it's super humid by now. So I'm actually thankful. Yeah. It's kind of nice that it's not like hot and humid because <laughs> that's coming. That's coming any, you know, any hour. I'll take the cool as long as we can get it.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to complain about the hot. i not going to lie. I'm ready.
0: <laughs> you're ready. You're ready. Well, uh, day, I am super excited for, for this conversation because, In this conversation, we get to announce that you are the newest host of Enrollify's newest podcast, and this podcast is called Talking Tactics. So first and foremost, just uh, congrats. I'm excited. I'm excited that you're doing a podcast.
1: Me too. I am so excited and this idea is I am the way I envision it it's going to be fantastic and useful and a lot of fun to record. So I can't wait.
0: Yeah, I I when we were uh kind of brainstorming a little bit about the show. And, you know, one of the things I was first attracted to about you is you are quite active on social. And I, I've learned a lot from you just in terms of your Twitter threads and your LinkedIn posts. And so I know that folks are going to get the opportunity to, of course, learn from your guests, but also just learn a little bit more about, you know, how Day thinks, how Day sees the world. Um, you're pulling from years of experience uh, in higher ed, uh, proper, and then also working at higher ed adjacent organizations like you do now at Ology, and so I was hoping you could just share a, a little bit of a maybe a couple a couple of milestones or or significant moments in your career that you think sort of define how you how you see the world, how you see the higher ed landscape today.
1: Wow, what a question! Okay, here here are some milestones. I would say uh, the very first milestone that affected my career, which I didn't know at the time mm. was affecting my career, is when I myself was going to, uh, the uni- through the university search process. Okay. So I was an international student. I was living in Mexico City and applying to schools in the United States, and I had no idea what I was doing. I'm first generation. Um, my parents didn't go to university or college or anything. Mm. And I was applying to the universities and I got rejected Ah. because I missed um, some key steps that I just didn't know I had to do. So um, that completely redirected my life. I went to Germany instead of the United States, uh, did my undergrad there. And uh, after that, a few other things happened. But I ended up in Pennsylvania uh, with my husband who was studying a Ph.D., and so I realized, okay, if he's going to be a professor, yeah. then I have to work in higher ed because that's the only way that wherever he goes, yeah. I can go. Yeah, interesting, right? yeah. So, yeah, that first moment was when I got rejected um, from schools in the US. And then the second moment was, okay, I'm going to have to work in higher ed. And, and we were at Penn State at the time. Okay. Um, so I got my very first job at, as part of the world campus, the online... Uh, campus for Penn State, one of the biggest, I think, online offerings at this point. Yeah. And somebody in the undergraduate admissions office, uh, like, noticed me and brought me over because I speak Spanish. <laughs> and that was, that was something they were really looking for. So that was a crucial moment when I first started working in admissions. Um, while there, uh, another big milestone, I think, that really changed how I what my career trajectory was going to be is that we were implementing a new CRM. And that's when I really got into not just the, you know, marketing communication side of things, but the systems data, what you can or cannot do and how powerful combining all these things is. So I started, I became a CRM manager. Um, I was there through that implementation and it was a, a relaunch of the CRM. We brought together all the communications for all 20 undergraduate campuses. I became obsessed with email, which <laughs> might be something people know me for. Um, and that was one of the, the crucial moments. Another big milestone was that kind of admission, CRM, data, yeah. uh, all that beautiful mix. After that, I think I would say the other big milestone is um, kind of getting into the conference World, huh. um, that's when you really start getting to know other folks in higher ed mm. and what everybody else is doing and how they're doing it and what's working and not working. I find it, you know, if you're just in your role and you are sitting at your desk and day in and day out, every cycle repeats, if you're not connecting with folks mm. that are doing similar things but not in your everyday, that was going to drive me just. Crazy, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So then I started learning so much from other people and how other people approach things and what works and doesn't. And I remember going to my first conferences and bringing back things to my institution and saying, you know, I would go to some folks and say, "You told me we couldn't do this, but this school did."
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so it really opened up my world. And I feel like all of those things together is kind of. What makes me t- the way I yeah. am today in this higher ed space? It's it's this idea of okay, there are barriers, and they're not easy to overcome. Mm. Uh, there's a combination of communications and marketing and soul and data, mm. and uh, anything is possible. Like things can be done. Don't let somebody tell you they can't be
0: done. Yeah, uh, those are those are like three incredibly different, but like really. Really cool milestones. And as you were just wrapping up there, the thought that came to my mind, right, is like, first and foremost, you have this incredibly like diverse perspective on the world, I would imagine, right, given the fact of how you grew up, where you grew up, where you went to school, you're, you know, you were in the US, you're now in Canada, you've studied in Germany, right? Uh, you were a first-generation college student yourself, and so you, you've you've probably just got this like global perspective, which I think higher ed in and of itself like tries to espouse, and I think oftentimes might fall short a little bit. But like that, the higher ed, one of the most beautiful things about it is for many people, it ends up being like probably like the most diverse experience that they'll ever have in their life is at college and and uh, or university, right? And so. That um, that perspective that you bring is is, is so cool. So you, again, you probably have been able to connect with lots of different people from lots of different contexts over the course of your career. And then number two, the the CRM implementation a milestone that you just mentioned means like you're you're a sucker for for process and data, oh, right? Yes. And, and, yes. and understanding <laughs> what you know what makes a, a system work versus network, right? The importance of these conflows that you that you mentioned. It's part creative, right? But also part uh, technical, right? In in this in this ability to sort of bridge that gap, it it seems like you're 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 great at that. And then the last point you made about conferences, right? Just being understanding I, I think the importance of community. Like you seem to really understand the importance of of not just being in your own lane, but recognizing that you have something to learn, but also something to give in in the greater context of the higher education community. So I feel like that was a beautiful nutshell of 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 who who you are, or at least who you know. I've thought you were uh, based off of what I've uh, learned from you over the years on on social media.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. It's uh, yeah, it's a it's a good summary. Uh, there's of course a lot of parts in between which folks can learn about, I'm sure, as they listen to the podcast. Um, but yeah, I think those were the pinnacle moments yeah. that make me who I am professionally today.
0: I do want to talk about what it means to be a a strategy director uh, at Ology because oh, yeah. because you know I, I think that you see there's a lot of folks too who have you know made the jump. They were working in higher ed uh, at a at a university. Now they're they're at a higher ed adjacent firm, whether whether that be an agency, whether that be an ed tech company. I, I am curious uh, w- when I see titles like strategy director. It's it sounds like such a sexy title, and it sounds like so cool. <laughs> like, I want to be a strategy director, right? Um, and so I, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about like what that actually means. Like, what, uh, talk to us a little bit about how you work with clients. Like, what what is what is the role that you play now?
1: Oh yeah, I it is a sexy title. I agree. I was very happy with it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Working at Ology, I say this to anyone that asks me, is an absolute dream come true. I absolutely love my, my work. I love this company. I love our clients and the work that we do. Um, so a strategy director, our role in a typical project is to capture or uncover or find or create as much information as possible mm-hmm. about a client And find the through line, Hmm. find the common denominators, find the things that unite all different parts of an institution, find um, the the one thing that folks with different goals share in terms of motivations and aspirations so that, um, for example, if we're creating a brand strategy, that it feels true to everyone. Hmm. Um, So that's the that's one goal. Uh, at ology, I tend to do more marketing focused work, um, specifically in enrollment and there, uh, my role is, it's very similar. It's uncover all these pockets of information. Um, that's when I really get to, dive deep into spreadsheets, which I adore. Mm. Um, it's like that nerd side. Yeah. I was going to uh, say, I have
0: never said that, but I'm glad that I, I'm glad that you do.
1: <laughs> there's, this is something people don't know about me. I don't, I guess I don't show it. I am a big data person. I have a degree in statistics, uh, a master's degree in statistics. Wow. And it's, it's, <laughs> um, I find it just adds so much power mm. to my intuition. Mm. Right. Um, so my intuition has developed over time. But the data is what makes it really powerful and effective, so anyway, I um, jump into all this information and then pick the pick the pockets where things could be improved and create strategies to reach the audiences to get them to do what we want them to do to improve those things yeah. so it's a problem solver it's a it's a puzzle maker um, it's a somebody that takes really complicated things and makes something simple out of them and uh, one way that I know that I've done my job well when I deliver to a client is if, if they look at my strategy they look at the document I'm giving them they're like we kind of knew this but we have never been able to articulate it mm. yeah and so you're like, yep. So then it is true to you. You've known it all along. I should not be blowing your mind away with with a strategy other than, oh my gosh, no one has ever been able to say this so clearly and concisely. Yeah. That's my job. Yeah. That's my job atology.
0: Wow. I mean, uh, beautiful, a beautiful description there. And, and talk about sort of like a, a fun role, right? Getting to work very closely with, with an organization an institution, and institution and being able to help them reaffirm, again, what they've thought, to be true, but with with data, right, and and with with the out with with an outsider's perspective, I think that's that's super super important and super super powerful. I, I do want to talk a little bit about your show, right, and where. So I guess what what I'd love to do is we we've been working over the last several weeks together on brainstorming this show, what it could look like, how to make it both equally you know day and also equally enrollify and all that fun stuff. And it's been it's been fun teasing this out with you. But I I, I thought I I'd love to just hear. You know, first and foremost, why are you doing a podcast? Like, why are you excited about hosting a podcast?
1: I mean, the reason I'm really excited to do this is I want to create a platform for folks that don't normally feel like they have anything grandiose to share. Mm. Um, because I really believe that enrollment success or success in in the day to day work is about those small things, day-to-day, iterative, we're trying this, let's try it again, yeah. let's see what happens. So I want to bring those things to um, the forefront a bit. I'm excited personally too, because I uh, I think I'm going to learn a lot. <laughs> 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 I, uh, you know, a part of my role and, and I think just being surrounded by really smart people is coming up with ideas that work. Mm. And I, you know, I have a fairly limited capacity to do that, but I, it's, it's kind of like the same concept of the conferences, like going places, learning things. Um, But like finding those people that are doing these cool things and like learning from them and having more people learn from them. That's why I'm really excited about
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well said. And one of the things I am most excited about beyond getting you into the enrollify, uh, creator class is uh is to actually have you design and, and kind of see how this comes to fruition a, a different kind of show, right? So like w- one of the things that we're gonna be focused on that you're gonna be championing for for talking tactics, right? Is this idea of pretty concise podcast, right? Where you're asking an individual to talk very specifically about one thing that they did that that moved the needle, right? On whatever enrollment metric they might be uh they might be concerned with, right? And what I'm excited about is there's a lot of podcasts out there, right? We, we have a lot of podcasts. There are a lot of podcasts out there just generally, and there's great, great, great shows, interview style, 60 minutes. Like those are all great, but, um, you know, they they can get, they can get a little tired after a while. And so what I'm excited about with your show is you're going to be hyper-focused on, again, one tactic. Uh, that that has helped an, an organization, um, specifically uh, you know, a team of one or, or a smaller team, right? Um, move move the needle in in a meaningful way. So I, I'm hoping you could just share a little bit about your show and any any other uh, additional sort of color you'd, you'd like to paint around what your your hope is. I know we haven't uh, uh, you know got into it yet. Talk to us a little bit about your aspirations for the show.
1: Yeah. So my my biggest aspiration is that anyone that listens to this podcast can say, oh my gosh, I can do that tomorrow. Like I can do that at my institution tomorrow. And in order to achieve that big, big goal, uh, we've created these fun constraints for the show, which as you just said, uh, it's a one single tactic. So it can be anything as simple as, you know, we changed the tablecloth at our booth at the (laughs) college fair. (laughs) To, uh, you know, we completely modified the colors of our website. Like one simple tactic um, and there's a catch. And that's what I'm really excited about. And the catch is it had to be done with limited resources because what we don't want is, oh, yeah, like this is an incredible tactic that the school implemented and it cost $3 million. (laughs) The reality of higher ed is most of us don't have that budget, right? So, um, that limited resources could be anything as you kind of alluded to. It can be, there's a single person team or a small team, uh, or limited time. Like you have to do this by next week or a limited budget. There's no money. We have a thousand dollars to affect conversion. Yeah. How do we do it? Yeah. So uh, what I'm really excited is because of those constraints, it's one simple tactic that had uh, an enrollment positive enrollment effect uh, with limited resources that really then anyone could do it if yeah. it's appropriate for your institution. So um, the the idea and the inspiration from it came because honestly, that's how I saw success in my own career. Like mm. the coolest things that I've ever done were very cheap, very fast, and not that complicated. And they had super effects and they, you know, they got me promotions and they are the foundation of conference talks that I've given. And I'm like, anybody can do this. Yeah. That's what I want. I want a, a bunch of episodes that are anybody can do this um, with, with those limited constraints.
0: Yeah, no, I I love it. Um, I think it's, it's, it's needed, right? It quite frankly, it's just needed because it's, it's what's true, right? Most people. And what's so funny is like, you know limited resources is is somewhat relative right you could be in a role where you feel like you have really limited resources and you've got 10x the resources that you know your your buddy down the street has um, and 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 you know that that's not really what's important what's important is helping people feel like they have they they are empowered to affect some sort of progress and some sort of change regardless of like what limited resources means to them. And so what I'm excited about for your show is I think it's going to feel like a, a brainstorm with like a great friend that you might not have access to at your at your university, right. But through through day and, and, and the guests that she brings on to to her show, it's going to feel like you're going to be able to hash these problems out with people that you're that you're sitting next to. And I think that 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 culture of, of a podcast is lacking right now. And, and, and I'm excited for you to sort of step in and, and fill this gap.
1: Me too. (laughs) I'm already so excited. I've been, you know, tapping my network, asking my friends, finding folks and teams and asking, hey, what's a cool thing you've done recently that, you know, had all this success? Do you want to talk about it? And some of the ideas we have coming up, I'm just so excited to share. And that's exactly what it should feel like. Um, A conversation or brainstorming ideas together. This worked for us. Let's see if it works for you and kind of just repeating that cycle over and over. If, uh,
0: if there's somebody that's listening to this podcast day who thinks that they have a great story to share, or they've got a, they've got an insight that, um, they're eager to get your, your feedback on to see if it might make for a good episode. What's the best way for them to to reach you?
1: Well, the, the best way is probably LinkedIn. Uh, if, uh, you find me on there. Look, look for my name. I'll pop right up. Uh, send me a connect request and a message with it. Um, other than that, I, I would say email, which maybe we can share yeah. it somehow. Yeah, we can, we, can, we
0: can share. We'll have your LinkedIn and your yeah. your Twitter and your email. All, all that, anything that you want to share, it'll be in the show notes below. So if you want to connect with Day and, and pitch your your story, um, I, I'm I'm sure she'd be uh, eager eager to at least hear it and see if it might make a Make for a good fit for her show.
1: Yeah. That's, to be honest, that's one of the things I'm a little bit worried about for the show is, you know, I know all these great people with great ideas, and we're going to have to have a conversation before the show <laughs> that's like, okay, but was it with limited resources? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, talk to me about the metrics that were affected, and it's it feels almost like a screening process. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel it's really important because I do want every episode to feel immediately implementable. Yeah. So... Yeah, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I I'm so excited for for the show day. And um, you know, one of the, my last question, a couple. I've got two final questions for you. One one is just around. How do you see the industry right now? Like, how do you see higher ed? I, there's obviously you you know you Google just you Google you Google higher ed, and it's almost like it auto completes something negative, right? And 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 you know there is there is there's a lot of challenge that the industry is is facing, but. From your perspective, like as somebody who has been, who's had this really again diverse perspective on 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 higher education in general, how do you see this moment that we're in? What are, what's top of mind for you? Whether it be something that you're concerned about, something that you're excited about, how what what's kind of your your current feeling about higher ed? Uh,
1: well, you know, as as anyone that's in this industry and has been for a long time, we have a love for higher ed, right? And and we truly see the value. Um, of higher ed. And and just like you said earlier in the show, uh, there is something that happens when you go through formal higher education. There's something that happens to your worldview and your perspective and your own maturity. And that's important. Like, I I really think that's, that's how we become better people. Mm. Um, not just trained people to do a job, but better people Mm. for each other. So that, that's not going to go away. I think the value of that is forever. Um, as someone that experienced at least three, maybe four four different educational systems across different continents and uh, countries, I think the the North American model of higher education is like there's a reckoning coming mm. um, there's there's too much Supply is, is the best way to say it. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of institutions out there trying to offer the same things. And, uh, you know, whether you want to think that it's a, a demographic shift or not, regardless of that, yeah. the, the way that we learn is changing. Our needs are changing. The jobs that we're going to do or want to do are changing. And higher ed is not. Mm. And I that's that's the part that I... I think worries me a little bit is that there are so many institutions out there that are just refusing to look forward 5, 10, 20 years and think, okay, what should the model be for that? Instead of how do we desperately preserve what it was 20 years ago? Um, That said, I think there are institutions that will just stay the same. I think, you know, the institutions that produce um, the research that moves the world, that's got to stay, yeah. right? Uh, but there are some schools where maybe the, the research is not the priority that... Think about how your degrees are delivered. Think about your courses. Think about the flexibility of them. Uh, think about who you are trying to educate. So many schools are trying to fight for national or international recognition. Yeah. Focus on your region. Yeah. Focus on your city. Um, how many schools are doing that? Mm. Um, So I I think there's a reckoning and it's a reckoning for me for kind of from a marketing perspective, I think of, of a focus and really thinking about your audience and creating a product that works for your audience instead of trying to preserve the way things were. Um, now I, like I, I went to university in Germany, right. And they have a really interesting system there where, uh, Students kind of are in tracks. It's kind of like you do it like a vocational track, hmm. or you go to university to become a professor, or you go to something in between. And I'm not saying that that's perfect yeah. because the way that it's the way that you end up in these tracks uh, happens at a very young age, yeah. and it's very subjective, yeah. and it's not great. Um, but I did see the immense value of studying four years to be the best baker right Mm. like you and this is why they have the best pretzels in the world I mean truly (laughs) and the best and the best cars in the world and the best it's because there's this hyper focus on the craft and I think that's important and that's necessary but there's also you know the the research institutions that are discovering new things and there's also the folks kind of in between doing professional training for things like business or healthcare or whatever Um, I think the 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 downfall of the system we are in over here in North America is the trying to be everything for everyone yeah. all at once yeah. within one institution. That's got to go away. Yeah. I see it going away.
0: Yeah. Ah. So so well said. There's we could have like five conversations based off of what you totally just brought, brought up. But uh, <laughs> one of the one of the funny like immediate things that came to my mind is I think that there's maybe this is just in my in my like circles, but I'm I'm seeing I feel like I'm seeing a lot of people that. Went to good schools. They got good jobs, right? They became, you know, a, a, an attorney or they became a doctor or whatever. And now they're um, uh, they're leaving their like professional job because they they want to become a baker, right? Or they want to they got they you know what they they just realized that they really would like working with their hands and they're they're starting like this a really cool sort of like next gen auto body shop or whatever it is, right? And it's just it's it is funny to me how. I think many, many individuals who have gone through the higher education system here in the States uh, end up realizing like they, they got on a track so young, so early, and they just kind of stuck with it. And not that they regretted it at all, but hey, maybe maybe they were always meant to be a baker and like the best baker, right? Or maybe they, they really were meant to work with their hands and start a really cool auto body shop and, and build a business that way. Um, and yet I, I do feel like the the idea of like trade school in, in, in the States um, I, I don't feel like has the same sort of like reputation uh, as as a four year degree does. Um, and, I, I and, you know, there, there might be a moment where culturally we also need to do the work to help change that uh, stereotype or the 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 imaging uh, around what what that looks like. Right. And I think that that's that's work that our colleges and universities can, can do is, is find better creative ways to support all sorts of learning. And package all sorts of learning and the pathways to that learning as as equal in value right even if even if outcomes look a little bit different so it'll be interesting to see how higher ed wrestles with this tension because i think it's coming i think i think there there are a class of people and higher ed can benefit from it if they figure if they find a way to support the baker uh, you know and find coursework and, and whatnot for, for that individual otherwise these individuals are going to go to the University of YouTube and, and and figure it out themselves, right? And so, <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting how yeah. all this unfolds.
1: The other thing I I think about a lot right now in the era of Chat GPT being everyone's best friend, yeah, is uh, the value of like a liberal arts education. Hmm. And you know, with AI becoming what it's going to inevitably become, and and some of us being really excited about that, yeah. that means you can't just be an average anything, yeah, because the average anything is going to get covered by AI, yep. right? So you need to study or you need to become the person that trains the AI yeah. or the person that programs the AI or the person that can take AI output and make it better because your average entry level anything, yeah. anything yep. is is going to, you know, it's something that, that a tool is going to be able to do. Yep. So, and I think about this a lot in the context of liberal arts and and STEM, right? So there's been such a focus on STEM, gets you a job. It's so much better than studying liberal arts. Um, Liberal arts can also be science, but, you know, this idea of of studying for a specific profession, like say engineering, I'm not trying to pick on engineers. If you are a fantastic engineer, wonderful, that's going to work out for you. But if you're just, you know, trying to get by, it's not your thing, but you know, the degree is what you're supposed to be doing and you graduate and you're an average engineer. Yeah. I think AI is going to be able to write average code. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> or yep. whatever, right? So it's, it's one of these things like for, for everyone and anyone thinking about going to higher education, you have to play to your strengths because you really have to try to become the best at whatever it is that you choose. Yeah. Because that's what won't be obsolete. Yeah. And for some people, it's the best baker. For some people, it's the best programmer. For some people, it's the best writer. But I, I don't think um, people are thinking about it that way.
0: Yet. yeah so yeah. yeah oh gosh it's uh it's an exciting time I was just reminded too I was working on this project and um I normally would have gone to my creative team with it um but they they've been really busy and went on a, anyways I was trying to save them time so I was like oh you know what I'm just gonna go to like Upwork and Fiverr and I think I can get this done with like a you know uh a, 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 somebody from a, one of those one of those platforms and then I was like you know what I'm actually going to try Dolly 2 instead and just see what happens if I use Dolly 2 to to help create these this, these set, <laughs> sets of images, right? Um, it cost me, okay, it cost me $3 to create this set of images that was incredible, incredible. And it would have just, I mean, again, frankly, the the human time it would have taken my team to do, I don't. I don't even. Wa- I don't even want to do the math on that. That, that, that you know, the translation and percentage. And again, like I, it, it was great. It wasn't really worth their time to begin with. So you know, it's good because a lot of the a lot of the work that our creative teams have to do or our engineering teams have to do right now, they they won't have to do the busy work right as much, right? Or that that super low level work because AI will come in and already has come in to help uh, meet meet that particular need enabling them to be more creative and freeing up their time, which is which is a very, very positive thing that doesn't get enough airtime when people are talking about this. But regardless that the amount of time it took me, the amount of time, the amount of you know capital spent on this project, it, it literally translated to about three dollars. And I was just I, that was the <laughs> moment where I was like, whoa. This is, well, this is real. We all need to up our game and we all need yes. to get, get excited about it. Right. And find ways to get excited about it and find ways to, okay, what, what do, what do I need to be focused on and thinking through and learning as you mentioned now, right? Because this thing is only going to accelerate.
1: Yeah, exactly. We all, what we choose to do with our lives has to be the thing we can be the very best at. And that means, you know, aligning to your strengths and the things that make you happy. And that's not going to be the classic college degree for everyone anymore. I I do think this is going to really impact what people choose to do for the rest of their lives. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, you know, what's exciting is your show day talking tactics. when, When I think about sort of like the the basic problem if you let's say you're running an event marketing campaign and you're like okay how are we going to make this event marketing campaign different historically what you do is you'd go into maybe a a boardroom you'd have a brainstorm you would talk with people or you'd read a couple blog posts you'd go to a conference session you'd watch a webinar on how to run a great you know event marketing campaign all that stuff is is sort of going to be like table stakes and like you're going to be able to you can right now just ask chat gpt like what you should do and you'd probably get some version of like the same webinar that you signed up for or some version of what you'd get in in that in in, in that initial brainstorm. But what's cool and I think what your show is going to highlight is like what, once the once the strategy is set and things are in place what we what we do really need people to do what we need you know each of us as hired marketers to to be able to do is say the strategy is set it's in motion it's not quite working the way that we thought it would work we need some change we can't shift the whole thing right but what in this can we shift or could we try could we experiment with could we adjust and your show is going to highlight all of that right and and I think at least right now a human still has to do that work um yeah so it's going to be it's going to be exciting
1: yes exactly I, I think of it as the most creative and resourceful people in higher ed are going to be talking about their cl- most clever ideas on this yeah. show
0: well, great uh, day. Thank you so much for, for first and foremost, your willingness to do this. Uh, I'm just ecstatic that you've uh, decided to de- dedicate your precious time to help uh, create this, this show. That's going to be really beneficial and, and provide a lot of value to folks. If you're listening into this uh, show and you want to subscribe today's show, which I highly, highly encourage you to do, please scroll on down to the show notes. We'll have links there. You can go and subscribe on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, or wherever you get your podcasts day. Thank you so much. Any, any like last little uh, words of wisdom or words of encouragement for folks tuning in today?
1: I just want to say let's talk tactics.
0: <laughs> well said, well said. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Enrollify podcast. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below furthermore if you've got just two minutes to spare we would greatly appreciate you reading a rating and a review of this show on apple podcasts our podcast network is growing by the month and we've got a plethora of marketing admissions and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories ideas and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional but enrollify is far more than just a podcast network Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.